I know my codependency goes completely outside of just the sphere of alcoholics and addicts in my life. For example, Spencer's dog, who was sad that Spencer was away this weekend, and, and I wanted to fix his dog's mood. I had to make him happier. Welcome to The Recovery Show. This episode is sponsored by Susan and Swetha. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today, we're going to be talking about one of our slogans, Easy Does It. Have you found yourself creating a complex solution to a problem in your life? Do you try to force the answer that you want even when it's not working? Can you step back and remind yourself that easy does it? Let's talk about that. But before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During the show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of the slogan, Easy Does It. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Swetha and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Spencer. How are you today, Spencer? I'm a little tired, but I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. <laughs> Next to Spencer is special guest host Diana. How are you today, Diana? I'm doing well, thanks. Happy to be here. Great. I'm glad you're here. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, the slogan, Easy Does It. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. I'd like to begin with a reading from one of our uh, books for Al-Anon Approved Literature. It's called Courage to Change. Um, on page 115, it says, When something isn't working the way I think it should, I can think about the slogan, Easy Does It. Instead of redoubling my effort, I can slow down and reassess the situation. The answer I seek may be staring me in the face, but sometimes I have to let go of what I'm doing before I can see it. I was trying to zip a removable lining back into my coat, but it wasn't working. I pushed as hard as I could, trying to force it to slide, but it wouldn't budge. Finally, I saw that I had been trying to fit the lining zipper into the coat's front zipper. No wonder I couldn't make it work. How many times in my life have I done the same thing? Forced a solution. I've tried to zip myself into people in situations that didn't fit me, becoming frustrated and disheartened in the process. But I've learned that easy does it. I can take the time to see if I match what I think I want before I jump in and start zipping. My life is more serene because I'm not pushing to make myself fit somewhere I don't belong. As I said, my name is Swetha. Last week we talked about forcing solutions. The slogan Easy Does It is presented by the literature as an antidote to trying to force solutions. So let's talk about that and about the ways in which we apply the slogan in our lives. Spencer, do you want to start us off? Sure. So when I think about this um, this slogan, Easy Does It, um, it's, a, it's a reminder that Often the the simple way um, is the best. That when I'm coming up with, as I think we talked about this last week, when when I come up with a really complex solution, it probably means that that I'm trying to force something to happen uh, that maybe is not what's going to happen. It also reminds me that when things are not necessarily going the way that I think they should be going, that maybe it's time for me to relax a little bit, to take it easy. So take it easy, easy does it. Because sometimes if I am, I'm in the middle of something and I'm all caught up in it and my mind's going, you know, a million miles an hour, I need to stop. I need to, you know, that Al-Anon pause button that we've mm -hmm. talked about, right? 
I need to take a pause and I need to step back. And sometimes then something will come to me that wasn't happening when I was, I was running down this path of the way that I thought things ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I need to actually pause and, and, and go do something else for a little while mm-hmm. uh, before, I, uh, uh, before I, I come back. And, and uh, like I said, my unconscious or whatever, um, my higher power, however you want to look at it, right, will, uh, will give me something. And when I'm not all wrapped up, when I'm not all worked up, mm-hmm. um, then I can actually um, see it and hear it uh, where I wouldn't have um, while I was, I was, you know, I was like a hound on this scent and <laughs> I was following it down the rabbit hole and, and I can't go down the rabbit hole, you know. Um, meanwhile, the rabbit's sitting over there <laughs> you know, on, the, on, the, on the hillside like laughing at me. <laughs> That's okay. a really good visual, Spencer. <laughs> so, enough with the metaphor. How about you, Diane? Um, well, I can definitely relate to this idea of, um, you know, the more that I don't get my way and the harder I try to, to force it and the forcing solutions that you touched on, um, the, the crazier I get. And so I think that for me, um, easy does it really relates a lot to taking it easy, um, similar to what you said. And along with that, it ties a lot into acceptance. Sometimes for me, it just means that, I need to accept a situation for what it is, even if that wasn't necessarily the way that I would have preferred for it to be or the way that I'm trying to get it to be. And by reminding myself, you know, easy does it and that I can I can take it easy for a little bit, I can sort of sit back and take things in for what they are. And it really allows me to be a little bit more present in the moment because I'm not trying to figure out how to make what I want to happen in 20 minutes happen. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> spot on, Diane. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, easy does it. It's still, still something I really struggle with today, too. I mean, yeah, the slogan is is really useful. I often have like this, um, I need this instant solution or instant resolution to whatever's happening in my life because I'm not able to just sit with this uh, uncomfortable idea or uncomfortable feeling. Um, and if something's unresolved, it's like, I mean, I... We joke about this a lot, both on and off the podcast, that I'm so OCD that I have to have everything color-coded. And, like, mm-hmm. my, my tan book, the pastor recovery book, I have, like, little bookmarks for each, like, with each step and then the questions where the, ste- where the questions start. And then I, I want to color-code the traditions and the concepts and all this stuff. It has to be perfectly like that. And for me, lack of resolution is, like, one of those tabs not being in place. <laughs> you know, it has to. Everything has to be perfectly marked. And... Easy does it is, is is really hard for me. I mean, pretty usually for me, I just like everything to be done and finished. And uh, because I'm in, I, I wonder if this is a this is like a chicken egg thing. But because I'm in computer programming and it's all about speeding up that program and getting that resolution, um, I think I might be in the programming business because I like that so much. It's um, very possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really hard for me to not. Uh, fix or want to fix everything and get it done straight away and most of the I think a lot of the times that I call my sponsor and I'm just like this is happening how do I fix this right now and I like <laughs> give her this like a uh, step-by-step list of things that I think would be the solution and she goes or <laughs> you could just take a breath and it doesn't have to be resolved now and and uh it's it's hard to hear or hard to 
it's not hard to hear. I can listen to it all day. It's hard to listen. I mean, hard to act it out um, for me. And especially, I mean, I haven't been in the program as long as you two have. Um, and definitely before the program, the idea of Easy Does It was not really common in my life. I think my parents, um, just the whole background I came from, it was we have to get the solution. We have to fix it now. Everything has to be resolved now. And I come from a family of computer programmers, too. So <laughs> all of them, every last one. <laughs> really? Yes. So, <laughs> so you guys can kind of see it's like that cubed. So that's, I mean, so it was definitely not anything I even could process when I first came into the program, which is okay. I took it easy with the program, and now I'm able to wrap my mind around it a little bit more. But definitely before the program, it's not something that could even come into my thoughts when I was freaking out about something. What about you, Spencer? What about before the program for you? I think I think I was like you, that that I needed, you know, immediate resolution to problems that here's a problem. I gotta fix it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I talked about this last last week when when I came into the program, I was really facing a decision of whether to you know, stay in a long-term relationship with my alcoholic or not. And uh, the concept of waiting was not in my set of alternatives when I came here, Mm -hmm. right? It was just, that was so foreign. Like, you don't, you don't have to make a decision right now. Like, what? No, it's a problem. I got to fix it. And, uh, um, you know, so I I pulled up the, uh, the, our blue book that, the book, How Al-Anon Works, which is sort of the um, the Elanon manual or whatever, and uh, it talks about this slogan, "Easy does it," and it says, "When our efforts to overcome another's alcoholism get us nowhere, we resolve to try even harder." Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds familiar to me, that's for sure. <laughs> when we are impatient for an answer and no answer comes to us, we take an action at random just to feel we are doing something, and uh, as a result, our frustration mounts, our anxiety increases. We feel like failures, and we vow to try even harder. With the slogan, Easy Does It, Al-Anon suggests that a simple alternative to this destructive and frustrating pattern, sometimes even doing nothing, can be far more productive. And I think I definitely was in that place. Here's this problem. I, the things I've tried don't work. So, well, let's try something different. Let's just try something. And um, sometimes that something didn't work very well. Sometimes it, something had some unpleasant outcomes, and uh, well, let's try something else. And uh, and I never thought of like not doing anything. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Diana? Did you? What about before the program for you? So I think that before the program, I in you know my whole life, I I grew up my uh, my family and especially my parents did a lot for me. And so I think before the program, a lot of how I would think about Easy Does It is I really didn't have to do a whole lot of anything because my mom knew the answers or, um, you know, my parents would figure it out. And, you know, from my viewpoint, like my mom knew everything and she, you know, and, and I think that um, as I started to grow older, I started to take on a lot of those similar patterns where, you know, I don't know how or when it really happened. I just know that I found myself in a lot of situations where I was feeling like if I didn't have the answer or if I didn't do something, that it just wasn't going to get done. And, you know, I think that that's a pattern that I grew up with, that my my mom always felt like if she wasn't 
in charge of something, it wasn't going to get done. If she didn't pack the luggage for a vacation, it wasn't going to get packed. And uh, I wouldn't know what kind of clothes to bring and this and that. And so, I mean, that's very simple example, but it, it translated into a, a variety of situations, especially when I started um, having more and more relationships out of you know, outside the house and, and when I, you know, with roommates and uh, romantic relationships and everything. And, you know, particularly in when I was in a relationship with an alcoholic, it it gave me a whole bunch of new situations where I could apply that thinking. And especially, you know, when there's people around me who maybe prefer not to do as much or um, aren't capable of doing as much. I see that. I saw that as an opportunity and sometimes still do as an opportunity to to take on the responsibility that others around me can't. And, uh, you know, I think it, for me at least, it was a very, it, like a really negative spiral because the, the harder that I tried, I thought the more likely I would get the results that I wanted. And more often than not, that wasn't the case. And um, it just like didn't make sense to me. So it was very frustrating. And I think that that was mentioned in the uh, the first reading that we did, the sort of frustration and anxiety that comes along with uh, not taking it easy. Uh, because I think, at least for me, the more work that I put into something, the more invested I find myself in, in what outcomes I want. Uh, so it is, it's a very tricky spiral uh, down sometimes, but, uh, you know, I definitely think that the, the program provides me <laughs> tools to, to be able to take it easy and do so in a much more sane way than I, than I had in the past. Um, you know, I, I always know that I'm overthinking something when I call my sponsor with this whole big story about what's been happening and I don't know what to do. And then she asks me a very simple question, like, well, have you asked this person to do this? And I don't have, you know, a long-winded response or a step-by-step um, <laughs> -step process, and all I can say is no. <laughs> you know, that's usually my cue to, you know, go back to the basics, and, and usually that involves, you know, taking a little bit of time away from the situation as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I can totally uh, relate to that story, Diana. Did you just ask them if they could do that? They should know. They should just know. Right. Why don't they know? <laughs> um, I definitely, once I came into the program in recovery, I think Easy Does It really hit home for me after when I was doing my sixth and seventh. <laughs> the sixth and seventh step. The sixth step is we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. And seven is humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And I was like, I, when I did step four, which was taking a fearless and... Uh, Searching moral, search inventory. searching moral inventory and then um, I, I was like okay I'm just going to list these all out and then I'm going to like cross like put a line through them as soon as I fix them <laughs> one after the other and it was going to be done as soon as I did the fifth step and six and seven were just going to be a formality but because um, everybody warned me how hard four and five were I mean, four is taking that inventory, five is uh, sharing that with your higher power, yourself and your sponsor and I was like okay I've done five, I'm good I'm going to be done with this. Like, I'm going to be great. But the hardest steps for me were six and seven because that meant I, I wasn't done. I had to like, I had to be ready and willing to let, um, my higher power remove my defects of character and then ask him to and then wait for him to in his own timeline. And, and that was just bullshit. I mean, that did not fit into my daily planner. You know, there wasn't like a nice little color coded tab I could put on it and that said, oh, this will be done on such and such date. And I can check up on the status of this, you know. 
I think the fact that those were the two hardest steps for me, six and seven, were was a, a blessing, actually. I mean, I was really troubled <laughs> over doing my sixth and seventh steps. I mean, I really just poured over the book over and over again, went over the 12 and 12, the 12 steps and 12 traditions. Um, and uh, I was like, there's got to be something else. There has to be something else. I can't just gotta be waiting. make it happen. <laughs> I know, right? It won't get done if I don't do it, right? And, um, but, uh, but the fact that, I mean, the books are, the literature is really good. And I have a great sponsor that kind of guided me through that, um, in a way that I could just let go and could just realize that I don't have to be, all, not all of my defects of character have to be resolved right now at this very moment. And that some of my, some of them might be still serving me in unconventional ways, um, and helping me to heal in the process. And that's that's kind of how I, I use Easy Does It in my life now. Whenever I'm dealing with a situation that I'm super uncomfortable with, I definitely, like you were mentioning, Spencer, hit that pause button. Um, but also I realize when I hit that pause button and often hit that speed dial button <laughs> on my phone to call someone, I, I shortly thereafter realized that um, I'm taking on a lot more than is possible for me to handle, even if that's just time-wise or that I just don't have magical powers to set everything right, though I sometimes think so. <laughs> and at that point, I can just be ready for my higher power to take care of all of those things, even if it's not necessarily a defective character, just ready for my higher power to take care of it in his own time and then and ask him to. And that's that still feels, now it feels like I'm doing something. It's just a slight perspective change. I'm not doing something necessarily about that situation mm -hmm. so much as doing something about my own attitude towards it. So you're finding an easier way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sort of emotionally easier. I mean, yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, definitely emotionally easier. And it's, it's like, it just feels like there's, when I'm trying to force solutions, it feels like there's a, a fist in my chest, like gripping tightly. And then when I just let go and ask uh, my higher power to help me with it, uh, it's just kind of like a release there. It's not that mm. much tension anymore. And uh, and I've only really experienced that in recovery, I think. Um, Diana, what about you? And how about have you used uh, Easy Does It now that you're in recovery? How do you, yeah, how do you use that slogan? <laughs> so I think that it's great that you touched on, you know, the process of of praying and speaking with your higher power about this because I too turned to that since I've been in recovery. And I think something else that I find myself uh, speaking with my higher power a lot about is uh, when, I've, when I'm really struggling to let go of something. And I think that it is um, not a coincidence that those are the, those two things are, are something that, that I often reach out to my higher power um, for help with because I think that you know, for me, they're, they're tied closely together. And so, you know, when I need to work on letting go of something, I usually, you know, I have to get into, I have to see if I've done everything that I can, and then the rest is what I have to let go, right? Because uh, it's not about, like, I think there were certain times or situations where I thought that, oh, great, I have this higher power that's going to take care of me, so I don't have to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, things will just happen. And and that's also not, that's like the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That That's not, you know, like I still have a responsibility with my life and, and the situations I find myself in and to my relationships. And so I think that I hear people talk about it a lot, just doing your part and then giving your higher power the time and space to to do what your higher power is going to do. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, having that ability to 
step back and let go. I need to be able to take it easy and have that easy does it perspective on it and to trust that it's going to, like, if I've done my part, the rest is out of my hands and it's going to happen and fall into place as it should. And, you know, I don't know if it's um, necessarily a, a program slogan or, or quote, but it's something that I see floating around a lot, um, especially, you know, among uh, folks in the program that uh, it basically just suggests that uh, that your higher power has better something better in store for you than what you could have created or forced yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that that's always a really good reminder that I don't always have the right answer. Yeah, I think I saw that quote in The Courage to Change, one of the recent readings, God's plans put man's best dreams to shame. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And actually, Diana, I really love what you were saying that, about doing your own part. I think, Spencer, recently we had someone call in or email in, say, did I make this up, saying, well, if there's a higher power, I don't have to do anything. I could just sit here and <laughs> food will be brought to me. and <laughs> Something like that. Something yeah. like that, right? And yeah. I really liked um, that Diana was saying that we do have a responsibility to ourselves and a responsibility to do our part in making things happen and then letting go of that which is not in our control, kind of like what we say in, uh, in the serenity prayer, uh, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we can't change. Uh, that's what we give up and the, the courage to change the things we can, what we have in our control ourselves <laughs> and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. And, um, you know, as you guys were talking, I wrote down letting go and I wrote down prayer, um, because, um, you know, I, it, easy does it as reminds me that sometimes I need to, to let go. And, and, and sometimes I need, in the process of letting go, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like some situation is out of control. I have done what I can, which may be very little, or it may be more than that. And then, you know, I have to let go of the process because if I've done what I can, then that means that I really can't affect what's happening afterwards, you know. And this is usually, usually a, a situation where somebody else is involved or some you know, organization, some company, whatever. And, and, uh, I want to, you know, I want to keep, I want to keep on pushing it. I want it to keep on, it's not done. It's not resolved. Mm -hmm. And, and, but there's nothing more I can do. And my old response and, and certainly my inclination, my instinct, if you will, is to keep on trying to do something. Mm -hmm trying to do something. And so this reminds me that that when I've done everything that I can, then I should take it easy, you know, sit back, let go. Uh, if, if I need to pray to my higher power, and, you know, that's a tough one because, of course, I want to pray for the outcome, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think someone um, mentioned recently, I pray, I mean, I ask my higher power to want what I want or something yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, uh, I was going to bring this up during the Our, Our Lives in Recovery segment, but um, I read this week, and actually I read it, I think, in one day because I basically couldn't put it down, even though I sort of knew what was happening and didn't really want it to happen. Um, I read the book called Beautiful Boy, which is a father's account of his son's addiction to methamphetamine mm-hmm. and what the father went through. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I related. The main alcoholic in my life is not my son, um, not my child, but 
I very much related to a lot of the feelings of um, what's happening, how can I change this, how can I fix this. And yeah, he found himself praying, and he found himself praying for God to heal his son. You know, he wasn't praying for his son to get sober or, or straight. He wasn't praying for his son to, I mean, obviously he was hoping for his son to survive, but he, wasn't, he was not praying for a specific outcome. He was just praying for healing. And for, for him at that point in, you know, his journey, he saw that as really different from wanting specific things. And, uh, and, and that's the sort of the change that we make as we, as we really work the program and as we learn that for me, praying for outcomes doesn't work. It never has worked. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that as a, as a young person convinced me there was no such thing as God and prayer was useless because I would, well, I wasn't praying for a pony, but that was the kind of prayer, you know, God, please give me a <laughs> pony, right? And, uh, and, and I never got the pony or I never got the, you know, <laughs> the model airplane or whatever it was I was praying for, right? It didn't happen. And so, well, God was useless, right? Well, I mean, you have a greyhound that's the size of a small horse, so... I feel uh, yeah, like... but, you know, <laughs> this is 50 years later, okay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's in God's time, I guess, God's right? time. <laughs> God's way. I thought about it that way. Thank you. So I thought, okay, yeah, that prayer actually did come about eventually. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> um, but getting back to the to the slogan, you know, it reminds me that that there are times when there is nothing I can do. Right. Uh, and for my own peace of mind, for my own sanity, um, I need to take it easy. I need to let go. I need to, I can pray, but that's, that's at that point, that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't okay before. Mm-hmm. That was giving up. I, I, I must be doing something. And, and if I'm not doing something, I'm giving up. And recognizing, you know, acceptance. You talked about acceptance, Diana, briefly. And, uh, you know, recognizing what I can do, what I can't do. Accepting that um, and stepping back and, and, you know, not keeping pushing, not, go, not keeping going the hard way, not keeping trying to, as it says in the book that, in, that I didn't read, it says, you know, forcing that square peg into that round hole, mm-hmm. uh, which just doesn't go. Yeah. <laughs> True story. I also actually, I think, I I can't remember if uh, Spencer you touched on or Diana you did, but something one of you said definitely made me think about our black and white thinking that we might try. I mean, I definitely try one solution and if it doesn't work, I'll go like drastically, dramatically, just absolute opposite other way. There's no really gray area in between. And usually neither of those works, unsurprisingly. But uh I think easy does it definitely helps with that helps with saying, you know, not just take your time, but also like that there are other options other than just A or B and that, and that we can just take that moment and just think about what other options there are. And if there are other people that can shed some light on that for us by offering new perspective, that that's really, really, that's really, really useful. And um, also for me, with with easy does it, I think, I mean, we talked a lot about what's in our control and what's not. And I I know my codependency goes completely outside of just the sphere of alcoholics and addicts in my life, and I apply oh, it to for sure all <laughs> all the things like um, 
for example, Spencer's dog, who was sad that Spencer was away this weekend, and and I wanted to fix his dog's mood. I had to make him happier, and I just kept staying later and later to fix it. And then I you can pour the food in the dog bowl, but you can't make the dog eat. Exactly. I was like, Spencer, he's not eating. He's not eating. What do I do? How do I fix yeah. this? But um, in my I had my family in town also, and there are things. I I mean, for me, there's um, I think for me, there's also a knowing when to do things and not just that I can do them, but also easy does. It helps me think about when to do them. When is it appropriate? When is it relevant? Um, I mean, for example, I asked, uh, when my family was visiting, I asked my sister, Hey, do you mind, you know, washing the dishes that you put in the sink? And she said, yes. And yes, she, Rhea, <laughs> yes, she would. I've, actually, I didn't ask her, but now that you say that, <laughs> but, uh, I could have, I mean, technically there are other things I could have done. Technically, I could have just been like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? It's been about three and a half minutes. Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? <laughs> but, you know, easy does it lets me just kind of say, okay, she said she would do it. Just going to give her that time, let it go. And if I really wanted to get done at this very moment, I can do them myself. I think Kelly kind of mentioned something we, like this. We had a discussion about, about uh, different dishwashing styles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, that, that, uh, um, and I guess since since we talked about it on the podcast, we're not like you know outing her or something no, here. But I, she she uh, she talked about you know she and her husband had an agreement that um, he would do the dishes, uh, whatever cer- the circumstances were. He was going to do the dishes, and then you know it would come to bedtime, and the dishes would still be in the sink; they wouldn't be done. And and she would get all mad and say, "Well, he didn't do the dishes. And maybe <laughs> she would do them, and then she'd be resentful or whatever." And you know, and I think the outcome was that, well, his position was that he could do them in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And her position was, you know, they had to be done before bed because you know, yeah. <laughs> some little checkbox wasn't checked off or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the funny thing is, I don't know if I told you this part of the story, but um, maybe a couple of days after we had had that, that discussion and recorded that episode, uh, I was heading off to bed and I looked at the sink full of dirty dishes, and I thought, well, I'll do those in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so then I, I, ha- I had to email Kelly and say, you know, Kelly, I realized I'm a do-the-dishes-in-the-morning person. She said, well, we should never be roommates then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, Spencer. Um, I don't think we could be roommates <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's the time to do dishes is before you go to bed. Yeah. So I'm then when too you w- tired to do <laughs> But then when you wake up in the morning, it's beautiful and clean and I, just... You know, I, I, I do understand that. <laughs> I understand that concept in the abstract. <laughs> it's when it comes I to the actual application <laughs> that I fall down. You... I would much rather get up in the morning. And, it, you know, it takes three minutes to take the dishes that are in the sink, rinse them off, and stick them in the dishwasher. Because we actually have a dishwasher, right? I don't actually have to wash the dishes. But oh. in the evening, that seems like insurmountable. And in the morning... I can do it right before I, I have to do it before I can make my coffee because I have to get the sink empty so I can rinse out the coffee. <laughs> um, so maybe that's my motivation. I don't know. Well, um, two things. One, my sister agrees with you about dishes in the morning. <laughs> two, I have a much more elaborate OCD kind of dishwashing method that involves washing the dishes before putting them in the dishwasher and then rinsing them again after because they're just dirty and Let's. <laughs> um, easy does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I was able to use Easy Does It. I mean, I 
really, really, really wanted her to wash those dishes then and there. And I thought, you know, maybe I should gently hint to my mother that there are dirty dishes in the sink because I get this from my mom, by the way. And uh, and then I um, and then I thought, well, crap, then I'm going to be putting this on my daily inventory because I know, you know, <laughs> I know that this is not, you know, how I want to be. And I, I could just see my sponsor laughing, <laughs> going, "Well, what could we have used here?" <laughs> um, and more about more than that, I was holding myself accountable and knowing that I that I knew better and I wanted better, and I wanted different for myself and for my relationship with my sister. And um, I was able to use Easy Does It and let her wash the dishes in her own time, which. No, not that anybody was counting, but it was four hours and 30 minutes later. Okay. <laughs> not that anybody was not counting. Not that anybody though. was counting, but if anyone wants to know, <laughs> it was exactly four hours and 33 minutes later. And I know because I was checking the clock and thinking, what's an appropriate time to remind her gently again? Um, but at some point, like, it was just, I, I realized that the fact that I was focusing on reminding her was probably a great reason to not remind her because I wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't coming from, a place of acceptance and a place of love is a place of forcing solutions. And uh, easy does it really does help me with things like that. I mean, that's, again, a trivial example, but it helps with so many things for me. Yeah, I had actually uh, an example I thought of that happened this weekend. So the reason that Swetha was watching my uh, dog over the weekend is that I spent um, Friday night through Sunday morning with a bunch of teens um, locked in a church down in Indianapolis, and which included, you know, sleeping in and amongst them, uh, and and my particular uh, sleeping assignment was with the, uh, this was a junior high uh, conference, and, and there were um, a number of high school youth who were there as uh, as staffing the conference, and, uh, and so my uh, role that was, um, I, I volunteered actually, but was sort of assigned, but I volunteered. <laughs> um, was to uh, to be in the room that the high school kids were sleeping in to be the adult supervision mm-hmm. and to make sure that, like, maybe they got some sleep. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're talking about a group of, of kids who see each other maybe a half a dozen times a year at these conferences. Um, well, some of them, you know, they all come from the same church, so they know each other, but, but they all come together um, infrequently. And so, you know, Friday night, there's a lot of catching up to do, Right. I mean, they got Facebook and everything, but it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, so it, it came, we were supposed to have lights out at midnight, and at midnight came, and they're still... And meanwhile, I want to get some sleep, okay, because, you know, I drove four hours, and I know I'm going to have to drive back Sunday morning, and I know that I need to get enough sleep between Friday night and Sunday morning and so that I can drive back without, you know, falling asleep and going <laughs> off the road, right? Mm-hmm. Which would not be good when I got a car full of teens that are other people's children. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, I know from experience that trying to force a solution in this situation really does not work. Mm-hmm. It really does not work. You know, so I was able to say, we need to, we need to get some sleep here. We need to be quiet. And <laughs> no, we need to be quiet. There's people on other sides of these walls that are trying to get sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and you know I just want to like stuff them down and you know put pillows over their faces or whatever and, mm-hmm. and, and you know that doesn't work and uh, my al really my al training if you will comes into play here because I'm able to sort of say something in a loving way not in a god damn it shut up way 
That's the trick, uh, isn't it? <laughs> that is the trick there, you know, to, to remember to do it, to take it easy, mm-hmm. to not to not force, because this is a case where really, honestly, forcing has the opposite effect. Um, that if you push really hard, they push back. If I say, you know, I really need to get some sleep here. I need I need to have the lights off. I need you guys to be quiet now. Um, they respond. They did respond. And and it took a couple of times because it's a process. I understand. Mm-hmm. They have to they have to wind down themselves. But when it came to the time that I said, okay, the light's going off now. I'm turning the light off. I was forcing the light off because there was one light switch in the whole room. And <laughs> it was dark. And, you know, they, they settled down and I heard some whisper, 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 whisper for a while. And then, and then everybody went to sleep. And I think without, I know, I know for sure without what I've learned in Al-Anon, I would just not be able to deal in those mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. I would not be able to, I would not be able to spend a weekend with, you know, 40 or 70 or 100 teenagers and come out sane at the end. But I can because I'm able to focus on the things that are really important and to take it easy on the things that are not critical. Mm-hmm. So there's an example. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Diane? Um, and, and the look you were giving me when I was talking about spending a weekend with like 70 or 100 teenagers, oh I, my God. You, you just looked like horrified. <laughs> <laughs> well, before the program, I spent some time with a couple of teenagers tutoring them, and well, I haven't been around teenagers since. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Um, those are great examples, and they got me thinking about some of my own teenagers that I have in my life Mm -hmm. um, at work. Um, And, you know, so uh, at at my job, I conduct life skills trainings, among other things, and I'm sort of around a group of kids um, in their living space uh, for most of the week. And, you know, I get to pick the topics of the life skills that we do and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I try to tailor it to whatever the group, you know, the group's always changing. Um, but I try to tailor it to what it seems like they're all working on. And the what I was thinking about is uh, a couple months ago, I tried to do a group on self-care because I'm all about self-care. Um, and I had done as part of, it's like an hour training sort of uh, deal. And for part of that, I tried to do, we did some um, like mindfulness activities. And then um, for part of it, uh, we did a guided meditation. And, um, you know, the kids hate being in this training as it is. It's like an hour where they're expected to be there. It's part of their housing agreement that they attend these. And, um, you know, it's just really hard to get them engaged. And, you know, so I had I had a lot of resistance that one that one time that I did it, and um, like I was bummed because I thought it was going to be something fun. They could relax. Um, you know, they all work and do things, and um, you know, I thought it'd be twenty minutes where they could just sort of chill out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't go over like I had planned. And uh, just totally randomly, last week or two weeks ago, maybe now, I had a client who asked about it out of the blue, and I happened to have a guided imagery uh, CD on me. So I said, sure, let's, uh, you know, we can just pop it in the computer and listen to it. And so we done the lights and we we did the guided meditation. And then, you know, he loved it. And he was like, oh, I feel so relaxed. I can go to bed now. And uh, before he went to bed, we talked about uh, doing a meditation minute. And the whole idea of it is that uh, in the office at a certain time, 
every day when I'm there at least, um, we'll have some sort of guided meditation going and clients can choose whether they want to come in and participate or sit outside in the dining room and giggle from <laughs> listening over, you know, hearing the, the meditation or just, you know, not come in. And, uh, the other day I, I had three of them in the office, uh, you know, and one of them even made a comment like, I don't even know why I'm here, but I am, you know? And so, um, it was a totally different environment, right? Like they weren't being forced to be there. They, it wasn't a training that they had to attend, but it's just a normal thing that is now happening in their living space at a certain time. And, um, they're all getting really into it and it's just a really awesome feeling. And I think that, um, you know, for me, it just, it's a good reminder that, you know, uh, Swethi, you had mentioned that, or Spencer, you had talked about the the black and white thinking, and Swethi, you had also mentioned that easy does it helps you kind of think about um, when to do things. And uh, I think for me, it, in addition to all that, it also um, broadens my thinking on how I can do things. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't have to. You know, I had a difficult decision I was trying to um, make a couple weeks ago, and I had made all these pro and con lists. And what it came down to was taking some time where I wasn't making lists, but I was just sitting and you know reflecting on the choices that I had. And it was, you know, my decision ended up being a feeling that I had, which wasn't an option that I had ever had before getting into the program. And, you know, and I think that um, people in my life who don't necessarily have a program, uh, when they see me acting in those new ways, um, I get resistance and it's hard, you know, for them to understand, you know, you have this big decision, why aren't you doing something to figure it out? But on the flip side of that is, you know, when I am able to take things, you know, easy and um, I end up giving people that need it the space that they need to make their own decisions on their own time and, you know, on their own accord. And um, I think that, you know, in my relationships, that's been really awesome. Um, you know, it's allowed people to be who they are in respect to me and, and vice versa. So, Any closing thoughts, guys? Yeah, actually, I wanted to... Um we have uh, one of our thought questions here was um, what other uh, tools or slogans mm. um, do we feel like they go along with easy does it one of them for me is first things first mm-hmm. it's another way of sort of when i'm really trying to push i'm trying to push like all the way through a solution where i don't again in in usually in a case where i don't have control over all the steps and and I'm trying to plan out exactly like how this is going to happen, how this is mm-hmm. going to work, including how the other people, you know, we talked about this last week, right? This mm-hmm. sort of, you know, the flow chart. Well, if I do this and they do that, then I'll do this. And, and first things first is a way of taking it easy mm-hmm. because I can say, you know, I really don't know how this is going to play out mm-hmm. because I don't know what the other people are going to do. And in my experience is that usually the other people do something I hadn't even thought of in the flow chart. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I can think about, well, what is the first thing? What's the, what's the first thing that I need to do? Sometimes we say, do the next right thing Mm -hmm. that, that we don't have to know. I don't have to know exactly how things are going to work out all the way through. Mm -hmm. I just have to know, What's the next thing that I need to do to move towards where I hope to end up, yeah. or at least to move towards a, an outcome? 
and so that to me goes along really well. Um, I heard some. <clears throat> I heard what you just said stated a slightly different way. I think, which was let it happen first <laughs> before trying to force the solution. And uh, that one was a, a big one for me, <laughs> especially with those flow charts. And um, I have to remember that because I really do love my flow charts. Um, <laughs> and I also liked what you were mentioning earlier, Spencer, um, the taking pause. Don't just do something, stand there. Um, so that's, I think that's a really good tool or slogan. What about you, Dana? I think that probably one day at a time. Uh, yeah. It just kept bringing through during uh, the whole time that we've been talking today um you know i think that's really just a the more specified version of easy does it right and uh, you can take that to one minute at a time or you know one hour at a time whatever uh you're needing at the moment so i find that really helpful and uh yeah great well, you know one of the one of the the teens that i was driving back from indianapolis with today recently well she's been facing this where am i going to go to college decision and and she had she had narrowed it down to two places, which were very different, both very good, um, both which she felt she would, you know, do well and enjoy, and and she made a decision because she had to make a decision, right? You know, they're like you have to make a decision by you know May first or whatever it is, right? So, and but she's continuing to second guess the decision. You mm -hmm. know, did I do the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And, and listening to what her friends are saying, you know, one of her friends is saying, well, this place you're going, like, they're, like, mired in the 19th century. You don't want to go there. Everybody who comes out of there is in the system. And, and she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I said, look, this is not a permanent decision, okay? You, you have your reasons that, that this is the place you want to go. And if it turns out that it's not the place you want to go, you can change your mind and you can go somewhere else. You have, you have that ability. You know, you have that option. She's like, yeah, okay. Mm. You know, so maybe for today she can take it a little easier on that decision. She's a very high tension person just anyway, you know. <laughs> oh, she no. really needs easy, does it? She doesn't have it. <laughs> I feel like you were talking about me when I was 18. I know, me too. I was like, <laughs> yep, yep. Oh man. Um, I don't know. I made my decision like October and, and I was done. What? I'm, I've already graduated. I finished my master's and I'm still not done questioning my undergraduate school decision. <laughs> oh my God. That's not to say that, that, that I don't wonder if things would have been different if I'd gone somewhere else. Okay. But I did. I made that decision. I applied early decision to get, you know, accepted in January and wow. it was. I think higher power really, kind of like you were saying, Diana, higher power really comes into play there where we can just say and trust that the higher power did what was best for us yeah. or took us where we needed to be. Okay, so um, we're going to wrap up with today's reminder. Again, it's encouraged to change, page 115. If my plans hit a snag today, I will step back for a moment and take a calm look at the situation before moving ahead. Easy does it. Think about it when you're in a hurry to do something and everything seems to go wrong. You'll be surprised how much this one little this one little idea can do for you. And that's quote is from Youth and the Alcoholic Parent. After a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Uh, next, uh, Sister Rodriguez sings Climb Up on My Music. I actually suggested the song for the podcast. I think, you know, I've 
suggested songs in the past as well. And I think, you know, with those, I'm, I'm really big on, on lyrics and li- li- listening to what the singer is trying to tell me. But for the slogan, and I don't think it's you know, for no reason, but I think the, the songs that were really speaking to me for this topic were more of feeling songs. And so whenever I listen to the song, I sort of I feel easy going about it. It's just, it's, um, it's really great. And so the chorus, uh, you know, I think gives the way to do it easily. Um, and it says, well, just climb up on my music and my songs will set you free. Well, just climb up on my music and from there, jump off with me. Have you ever had a fever? From a bittersweet refrain Have you ever kissed the sunshine Walk between the rain Well, just climb up on my music And my songs will set you free Well, just climb up on my music And from there jump off with me There was a girl named Christmas Did I tell you she drank gold? She wasn't very hard to capture But she was rather hard to hold Well, just climb up on my music And my songs will set you free Well, just climb up on my music From there, jump off with me a little bit here uh, during the song and we realized that not everybody knew that 
uh, Rodriguez, who was singing the song, was uh, Sugar Man. So we had, I wanted to make that connection real quick for folks that are listening. Um, there's a documentary that recently came out um, talking about Sister Rodriguez, or as some know him, Sugar Man, and sort of his uh, journey uh, making music and where he's at now. Um, it's really fascinating history. He, people he didn't know what happened to him. They thought that... Um, he had passed away. There were rumors that he shot himself on stage when he was performing. He was known for um, not looking at the audience or not facing the audience when he performed. So lots of interesting background there. Uh, definitely a documentary that I recommended to Spencer and Swetha while we were sitting here. So I just wanted to pass that along. Probably available on Netflix or something, huh? I believe so, yes. Great. I'll definitely check that out. Um, in this next section of the podcast, we're going to talk about our lives in recovery, and uh, that's essentially what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And Spencer, I'm just going to start with you. You're going to start with me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. Um, I need to think back over my week. You know, I think I only made it to, no, I made it to my meeting on Sunday night, um, which we always go off uh, uh, reading from Courage to Change for the day, which I really, um, unfortunately, don't remember what the topic was, but I do recall there was a good discussion and it was a good meeting. And uh, Wednesday night we had a lead, and again, man, I'm blanking on the topic. I'm sorry, I should have thought about this. And uh, and then Friday I was I was driving down to Indianapolis, so I didn't make it to my Friday night meeting. A little short on recovery this week, perhaps. But uh, I did have my recovery podcast to listen to, so that was good. Yeah. And what about you, Diana? Um, so I had not been to a meeting this week. Um, it's been pretty tough for me to get to meetings. Uh, I've been, you know, working full time and working a second job. So, um, and I work funny hours as well, uh, in the evenings mostly. So, um, but this week I definitely utilized, uh, my phone list and reaching out and, uh, calling some folks about, you know, some things that have been going on and, and getting that feedback is always uh, super helpful for me. I think, you know, the meetings when I can make them, I, I love meetings. I love my Wednesday and Friday nights, but, you know, and I think of that sort of as like a bank where I deposit some of the sanity that I can use throughout the week. But then the calls is, you know, when something's happening right then and there and I really need to just uh, vent or get someone to check my <laughs> my thinking right then and there. So I was able to use that this week, definitely. That's great. Um, I didn't make it to any meetings in these last like 10 days while my family was here. And tell me, how did that feel? Uh, a lot of people got a lot of calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it was actually, I, before, I think this was actually kind of good for me <laughs> in a way because, um, it's really hard for me to, I think that there's a certain way that a, a good Al-Anon member will act, and I'm using good in quotes, guys. Um, Got those air quotes going. Yep. <laughs> They're very important. Um, and I'm like, if I'm going to be good at Al-Anon, I have to go to every single meeting, and I have to like do all these things, and I, I have to be on time, and I have to do all the service stuff, and, and I have to never, ever be codependent again, ever. Um, but a lot of the reason that I didn't make it to my meetings this week is because I am codependent when it comes to my family. And um, I think for me, the first step is just accepting that rather than being in denial and then just going like powering through it and just using a brute force algorithm and then just being like, I'm just going to the meeting. I'm going to feel really uncomfortable and really scared and really guilty. I'm just going to sit in that meeting and grip my teeth and get through it. Um, and I'm just not there in my relationship with my parents. And so not going to the meetings this week was kind of recovery for me. It's just being able to say, okay, this is just where I am. 
um, and asking God for help and saying, easy does it, <laughs> actually, <laughs> now that I think of it. And, um, and just trusting that when I come to that point where I'm comfortable going to meetings when my parents are in town, I can go to meetings when my parents are in town. Um, other than that, I met with my sponsor and did some step work. We went over some traditions. And I, like I said, I called a lot of people. Uh, the daily readers, like the one we I just mentioned that we read from today, is Courage to Change. I read through that one. Um, I also read from the blue book that Spencer quoted from earlier, um, which is how Al-Anon works. And those those pretty much got me through the week. Yeah, I want to. I actually wanted to add on um, because I talked about reading reading the book Beautiful Boy, which, man, it was powerful. And you know, he goes through this journey from. Uh, which, you know, paralleled my journey from from trying to to control and fix the addict in his life, um, all the worrying, all the, and for him, um, his addict was often gone for long periods of time, and he had no idea where he was, and and I haven't had that experience, but just the feelings, the same feelings are there, um, you know, maybe a slightly different mix, a slightly different intensity, but. Um, but also, um, in the book, he comes through the journey to, um, this process of, um, you know, sort of acceptance and letting go, uh, and understanding that, um, you know, he really does not have the control and, and there's some real soul searching towards the end of the book where, when he's trying to decide whether to finance yet another stint and in rehab for his son. Uh, who's probably going to die if he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and the journey that he comes to, to making the decision about what to do then. And he mentions Al-Anon a few times in there. And at the end, um, he said something, and I wish I had the book in front of me to get the exact words, but he talked about, it sort of, I think it was an afterword or epilogue, one of those. Uh, He talked about the fear that he had throughout his son's using that his son was going to die and he would lose him. Mm. And the realization that he came to that in fact, when his son was out using, he had already lost him, that his son was not there. This, this bizarre, um, you know, lying, cheating, stealing addict person was there and it was not his son. And he already, he really had already lost his son. Mm -hmm. And so the only real question was whether, that loss was going to be permanent or not, not whether he was going to lose him. Um, and he stated it much better, much more better, as we said. <laughs> much more better. Um, <laughs> much better than, than I think I did. And, and I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's, that's so true. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And, 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 it, and it really resonated with my own experience that when, um, you know, my loved one was in the, the depths of, of her alcoholism that, you know, the person that, that I really, the person that I loved really was not there. And I don't think, I mean, I recognized that, that the outside, that the actions that, um, you know, the, the, the shell of the person that I was interacting with was not, was not the person, um, that, that I loved, but that, I hadn't gone all the way to this sort of realization that, that when we were there that, that I had already lost her and, and I still had this fear of losing her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really powerful for me, mm-hmm. reading that. And then 
I went on and I read the book that the son wrote. Hmm. So uh, the the book that the, the father wrote is called Beautiful Boy. It's by David Sheff. And the son, Nick Sheff, wrote a book called Tweak, um, which is, I guess, when you're on meth, you get to the state called tweaking. And uh, um, and so uh, it's it's the, the what happened from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Talk about hard to read. Mm-hmm. Can imagine. Uh, just like, and he is brutally honest about the things that he did and as much as possible as can be um, about sort of what his feelings were, what his, I, I think he would not say thinking because I think he would, he, he recognizes that when he was in the grip of the drug, he really wasn't thinking, uh, but that's what it felt like to him at the time. And so he'd say, yeah, well, we, you know, we decided to do this. And uh, it just, it was, it was, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying and I couldn't put it down <laughs> except there were times when I absolutely had to put it down because, um, I, I, I think I, I might've been talking to you about, about the first book. And I said, you know, I know it's halfway through and he's clean and you know, you're only halfway through the book. He's not going to stay clean for the rest of the book. Okay. <laughs> and I really don't want that to happen. Right. You know, I mean, it really, it brought back those feelings, um, of, of relapse, uh, in my loved one. And, and how I felt when that happened, and the fear that I had that it was going to happen um, at times. And uh, uh, but I think it's also, you know, we share our experience, strength, and hope in the program, um, in in the hopes that it might somebody else might identify with it. It might help somebody else get through um, whatever their experience in their life, um, and make their you know maybe find a way to make their life more serene. And, you know, at the end, that strength that he had and that experience that he had, I think, you know, helps me to, uh, um, certainly helps me to really um, empathize more with the the people in my life who do struggle with addictions uh, and with the, uh, and and I think make it a little easier for me to, uh, you know, it just gives me a little more strength, a little more hope to uh, to get through whatever it is happening in my life. Thanks for that, Spencer. <clears throat> um, and so with that, we're going to close up with our week in recovery. And uh, next week, we will be hosting a parents' roundtable where a group of parents talk about the issues they face as they struggle with the addiction and illness of their children. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions for the parents' roundtable. Spencer, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail. Uh, that number is 734-707-8795. You could put the podcast on pause right now and call us. Join the conversation at 734-707-8795. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic, the slogan, Easy Does It, or next week's Parents' Roundtable. If you have a topic you'd like to talk us about, like us to talk about, let us know. We do have a page on the website with uh, topics that are, you know, potential upcoming topics. Um, and with regards to the parents' roundtable, we're actually going to be recording this on May second. Um, so if you have questions for that, uh, and it's after May second, well, um, we can take them as comments, but we won't be able to incorporate them into the program. 
Diana, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of Al-Anon open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website is to leave comments on the show notes or on the blog. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. And, you know, we got an email this week from Melissa. Um, Swetha, you want to read it? Sure. Melissa writes, Hi, I'm so pleased to discover you. I just wanted to tell you how great your materials are. I have been sharing my site with my clients. Your site was actually recommended to me by one of my counseling clients who listens to the episodes regularly. I specialize in counseling women who have relationship patterns that are caused from codependency and family histories of codependency and substance abuse. Really excited to find the recovery show. Sincerely, Melissa. Thanks so much, Melissa. We really appreciate that. Right. And, um, so um, a little update on what's going on with the podcast and the website. Um, you know, I, I know some of our listeners are listening to the podcast right from the website. There's a little play button right there that you can just click and listen from your computer. But, you know, if you've got a smartphone or an iPod or something like that, you can also subscribe to the podcast, and then you'll get it automatically when we post a new episode. You won't have to go check it check it, uh, and, and find it and see if it's there. We have a page uh, titled How to Listen, and there's a little box at the top of the, the website that you can click on, and it will. there's some instructions there about different ways that you can listen depending on what kind of device you've got and so on. Um, we've also added a page with book recommendations. Uh, you can click on the books link at the top of the page. And if you buy books from Amazon through our website, we receive a commission from Amazon. It doesn't cost you any extra, and it helps to support the podcast. You can also help to support the podcast directly by using the donation basket button on the website. It costs you nothing to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. If you can make a donation like Swetha and Susan did this week, and thank you very much for those, it will help us keep us on the web and in your ears. Okay, we're going to close the show with the song Carry On by the band Fun. And I didn't realize this until I was listening to a podcast about music but the band name is actually spelled f-u-n period the period is part of the name of the band okay um the, the guys who were hosting this particular podcast were kind of annoyed by that apparently <laughs> talking about be weird like band it, names right if you know? it ended with a question mark this is a carry on by fun question yeah, fun. <laughs> anyway um and uh you know what i hear in this song is they're telling me that no matter what comes my way i should just carry on and uh, that sure sounds like easy does it to me. So let's listen. Well, I woke up to the sound of silence. The cars were cutting like knives in a fist fight. And I found you with a bottle of wine. You had in the curtains and heart like the 4th of July. You swore and said, we are not. We are not shining stars. This I know. I never said we are Though I've never been through hell like that I've closed enough windows to know you can never look back If you're lost in a long Or you're sinking like a stone Carry on May your past be the sound Of your feet upon the ground Carry on Carry on, carry on So I met up with 
Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems are, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Thank you.